Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Luke, Luke chapter 5. And as you're heading there, I want you to know that um, it's true every week, but I'll just confess that this one is anytime I'm up here, I get extremely nervous. People have said, who've heard me say it before, it's hard to believe, but trying in our humanity to communicate God's word supernaturally is an audacious thought. It's an audacious task. And so I'm always nervous about that, but I think I'm a little nervous also as well as because of the subject matter, and you'll understand that in a moment. And I'm going to share with you up front that in coming in, we normally have the opportunity to preach the message, whoever's up here, in front of multiple environments before we ever get here on the weekend. We call it preaching in teams. And many of you know I was in Florida this week. Uh, we're getting ready to plant a church down there. So Caleb and Morgan and I were down there. And uh, it's pretty cool. My, my wife and our youngest is still down there. They're flying back today. But I came back because obviously I'm preaching this morning. Uh, but in, in being down there, my mind is really, if you will, centered on the plant getting a chance to meet their district superintendent, their district board, uh, Caleb and Morgan looking for a home and just kind of getting a grasp more of helping them feel the environment down there to talk about that. And so being on a plane yesterday, um, I spent a lot of the time just going through my notes, thinking about what we need to talk about because I think this is going to be an amazing message. But I'm going to share with you up front, it's going to hit you really hard. It's intended that way. But then I will flip it, and I think it'll be very helpful. And then we're going to walk through some things that I think will be, uh, can be transformational. Fair? So we'll be in Luke 5 in just a moment. But there's a story about a father who was telling his young son that it was time for him to get ready for Sunday school. And of course, there was urgency in the father's tone because he knew they needed to be leaving soon. Anybody been there as a parent? <laughs> were you there this morning? Well, his young son wasn't very excited. Did you have to go to Sunday school when you were a boy, Dad? The father proudly answered, well, yes, I did, son. The boy, now somewhat disappointed, said, great. Probably won't work on me either. <laughs> but here's the deal, and I'm going to be a little pointed. I think this is the problem in the church today. I think there's a lot of people who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but they deny him with their lifestyle. Now, let me say it again. I told you it's going to be a little hard hitting, and I'm going to get a little personal here for a moment, but I'm asking you to hang in with me. But I think there's a lot of people who come on the weekend, and they enjoy the worship side and music, and sometimes they'll even confess an amen here and there, but come Monday, things are going to be a little different. 
I'm here as a thought for you because I think and I believe the Bible is very clear that our lives are more than just here in an earthly moment. I think our lives are to make a difference if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus. Now, over and over, Jesus said, let your light shine. He said, you wouldn't get a lamp, light it, and then hide it. Um, over and over, it says that we're to be followers that make a difference as salt does. And if the salt loses its saltiness, you just as well throw it away. I mean, it's constantly a message that we're to go and make disciples. So here's my thought for you. I can only wonder this week, as you were at work, did anybody ask you about the Jesus that you love? I mean, in the way you drive, in the way you work, in the way you interact with others, did people say, I want what you got? There's just something different about you. Does that even happen in your life? Would your kids say that? Dad, I, I want what you have. You just, there's just something about how you love Jesus and the way you treat and love me. The way you love mom. How about you, moms? How about you, young people? Would your friends say that about you this past week? Now, I know that can be pretty personal and, and very painful, can it not? But if I don't ask it and don't offer it, then please help me understand what life's about. What was the point of Jesus saving you anyway? Well, because I get to go to heaven, but now, right now, I get to do what I want. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> I think that's the whole point of salvation, because God's a little done with you doing what you think's right. I say all that to say this, but, but I don't think that anyone in this room means to be a hypocrite. I don't. I don't think there's any of you in this room who are trying to play a game with God. Even though it gets stated that way, I don't. I think everybody here in this room really wants to have a life that's pleasing to God that's meaningful to God, that's perfect. I really believe that. I believe every one of you, that's why you're even here this morning. It's why some of you are watching online. You want your life to make a difference. But I think it's our subject matter that's the problem. See, I think people truly want to change. They just don't know how. They don't know how to get rid of those destructive hang-ups and habits. <laughs> I think there's things in your life that you set in the dark. And when I mean the dark, I'm not talking about necessarily with the lights off. I'm talking in your own private soul where you have conversations with God and they go something like this. God, why do I keep doing that? I don't want to. I need your help. See, I think that's truly the representation of most of us in this room. God, I really want to change. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to stop doing this. And that's what we're going to talk about, a message I've entitled, Breaking the Destructive Patterns. Anybody interested? If you didn't raise your hand, someone pointed them and say, I'll bet you will be. Because those are in our lives, and the devil knows that. And so that's all he plays on. 
but God knows the attitude of your heart. And so that's why I wanted to hit you because I wanted you to think about that for a moment, but I really believe you just want to know how, and this will be a message that will be helpful. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, it's a story that's probably familiar to many of you who may have been around the church. You might have heard this even if you haven't been. But regardless, if it's new to you, I think there's going to be some unbelievable, helpful things that we're going to talk about. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in the first verse, here's what it says. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you'd like to go to that on your app. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. So Jesus is about ready to teach and preach. Obviously, I think in ways they've never heard it before because we're going to learn that in the Gospels later on that people were just blown away by how he communicated truth. But this crowd has ever grown and they're pressing in on Jesus. Verse 2, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So these boats had just previously been in use. Stepping in to one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, Peter, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, to Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew 4. And I want to show you something that I think so often gets missed. I want to help you with the story we just read that this is not Jesus' first encounter with Peter. Do not forget this. As I'm preaching in this moment and I mention the name Jesus, I'm pretty sure for every one of you in this room, this isn't the first time you've heard that name Jesus. Thus, it's not your first encounter as well. It's very important to the story because so often when we read scripture, we look at the truth impregnated and forget the entire thing that's happening all around. I want to show you this because it's key to the story, and I'm pretty sure most of you have probably missed this before. In Matthew 4, in verse 18, here's what it says. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. They left their nets at once. You can read the same story in Mark 1 and in John 1. In Mark 1, the word is this. 
they left their nets immediately and followed Jesus. If you read 4 and go to verse 21, 22, you'll also know that Jesus goes a little farther. He sees James and John fishing with their father. He calls them as well, and they too leave their nets, but then it adds, and their father to follow Jesus. Now, here's what I'm getting at. In Matthew 4, the very next thing that happens, or Mark 1, or John 1, is there is a healing of a demon-possessed man. In Luke 5, that happens before Jesus uses Peter's boat. Now, don't miss this. We have heard preaching over and over where Jesus called Peter and Peter responded and the Bible says he left everything. Have you not heard that before? If he left everything, how can he still have a boat that Jesus needs for a pulpit to preach from? I wonder if the same is true for us. You ever been there? Had an altar experience that seemed to change everything in your life, but it wasn't so long that you went back to the very thing you used to do. You started giving and tithing, but then the bills came in, or the trip, or the vacation, something looked a little bit more enticing. Or you started serving, but it seems that you don't have the time anymore. This isn't a message of guilt. This is a message of why do we keep going back to the very things that never got us where we needed to be in the first place? If you look at the time, Peter was called of Jesus and the Bible says he left everything and yet in this story, He's back doing the very thing that he said that he would leave behind. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Hoarders. We sort of get a little distraught when we see the pictures, and yet the fact is it really is true of every one of us in this country. I've heard it over and over things we hold on to we never use, but one day we might. I could go on and on because I've shared it before of how storage units continue to be on the rise as Americans keep putting stuff away they'll never use. Probably never open up, but just one day we might. And I think we do the same thing in our souls. See, I want you to catch this. If you have something to fall back on, you will eventually fall back into it every time. Let me say it again. If you have something to fall back on, you will fall back into it eventually every time. If you're going to follow Jesus, you ready for this? you're going to have to sell the boat too. As long as Peter had the boat, no matter how much he loved Jesus, 
he'll always go back to fishing. But once he sells the boat, he'll have nothing to go back to except to continue to carry on no matter how difficult it gets. Did you all catch that? It's awful quiet in here. See, I think that's something we miss in the story is a moment in time where we catch Peter doing something he said he would stop doing. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you how you can break those destructive habits and patterns in your life. And so if you have your notes, take them out. And here's the first thing. If we're going to keep, if you will, keep on rather than falling back, here's the first thing you have to come to. You have to know your default settings. Say it with me. Know your default settings because we all have them. Every one of us has one. If not one, two, three, or four. But you have something called your boat that sure, I want to do these great things for Jesus, but just in case... What is your default setting? That thing you keep running back to over and over that you don't want to do because it's safe, it's secure, regardless of its destruction, at least you're in control to some extent for a moment. And yet the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're supposed to be new creations, we're supposed to be new creations. In fact, finish it with me. Come on, church. The old is gone and the... Notice it doesn't say some of the old's gone. Notice it doesn't say and or a part of the new has come. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Jesus, I'm so glad I didn't get a portion of him. Aren't you? I got all of it. I got all of it. And he got all of me. But here's the problem. See, I, I want you to repeat this after me. My flesh is unable to sustain me. But his spirit will. But now I want you to watch this. But Jesus said, but you can't have both. You don't get to have two masters. I need you to die to these things. I need you to let go. And it's so much easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, it's like the Israelites. They're so tired of slavery. They're so tired of being beaten down, getting nothing, having to live on rations, divide among their family. They're so sick and tired of it. Moses comes along and tells Pharaoh what? Let God's people go. And over a period of time, Pharaoh finally says, let them go. And they start traveling out of town. They don't even get a day out of town. And you know what, it, you know what they're saying? We want to go back to Egypt. It's better in slavery than being out here with you, God, where you're providing for all my needs and feeding me and putting a pillar and a fire and a cloud, all that stuff. You know, manna falling from the sky. Oh, you even parted water. That was cool. You know what I mean? I mean, it's almost like, wow. But it's in all of us. It's in Keith Loy. Folks, Egypt, I don't even care how good it, could have been will never be better than any moment you're with God. 
Bad with God is beyond greater than any good without him. I can promise you that because you're not alone for he is with me. What is your default setting? What's your boat? What is it that you're hoarding and holding on to? Is it the need for others to approve you? Because that was mine. I remember starting this church and what do you think of the message? What do you think of the message? What do you think of the message? <laughs> and I held on to that for the longest time. And God's like, let it go. You already have my approval. You just be faithful. You just preach the word. What is it? Is it having to be right? Is it having to be heard before you can listen? Is it being a workaholic? Is it busyness? Is it worry and anxiety? Fear? Is it chasing your kids? What is it? Is it an addiction? What is it that you're hoarding, that you're holding on, that default setting? That you start out so well, but it just keeps pulling you back. And in a moment, because this wasn't enough, call it what it is, you'll eventually go back to. You need to hear this. If you can't admit it, it's going to put you in serious trouble because the devil already knows it. What confession does, and knowing it, is one of the biggest steps you'll have in defeating the enemy. When you can admit it, what is your default? Let me, let me give you an illustration. We all know this, right? Because we say it all the time. The Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint, right? I mean, it's a marathon, fair? I think sometimes we want it to be a sprint. Boom, ah, it's over. But it's a marathon. It is this side of heaven as long as you have breath. And it's a continuous run, is it not? It's a marathon. But listen to this. But it's not just a marathon in length, it's also a marathon in training. It requires a regular, consistent exercise, a consistent diet, consistent sleep. See, I've run two marathons, many of you know that. The first one I did was the Disney Marathon, 26.2 miles. And if you don't know how you train for it, the first time you wake up early in the morning and you run to the end of your driveway. I'm <laughs> like, wow, I'm gonna, okay, this can be a lot of training, okay? And you do that for a few weeks and then you go to the end of the block and around the block and someone else's block and, and, and you just start putting length on it. Because you gotta train for 26.2 run. That was the goal, okay? Now here's how it works. Miles, once you get the training underneath you, miles one through 10 are easy. The first third of the race, I mean, it's a breeze. You're out just this run and man, 10 miles. You're like, yeah, this is great, okay? Characters, by the way, Disney does it. Characters at every mile with a smile, you know what I mean? They're just like, gosh, you know what I mean? Oh boy, you know what I mean? I mean, you're just, they're happy and you know why? Because they're not running, okay? All right? Now, between miles and 11 through 17, you start questioning your insanity. That does happen. Okay, and even though there's characters now smiling at every mile continuously, you're not, okay? You're wondering what in the world you're doing out here. 
But at miles 18 through 22, you hit what runners call the wall. I mean, it is a wall. Some call it the bear getting on. It's a wall. I'm just telling you. And you now are right. You're certifiably insane, okay? And you now want to punch every character, <laughs> even though they're smiling, okay? What you find and discover is about halfway through the race, Mickey is no longer in sight. I mean, he's just gone, all right? There's probably a reason for that, okay? Around mile 23, your body shifts because there's nothing to draw from anymore for energy. So it starts burning all the fat, okay? Pulling everything it can to try to keep, keep your body moving. And in about 10 minutes of that, you're done. You're like, okay, I tried, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I've seen people sitting along the road crying. I've, medical people are all, there's, there, I mean, it's like every quarter mile, every half mile, there's a medical tent and people start just laying there and it, it's crazy. And you're thinking to yourself, you try to tell yourself, I, can't, I, I came to finish. And then your mind starts telling you, I'll, I'll do it again. I'll try next time. And this is where your default settings come forth. And you start making every excuse. The diet wanes, your devotional time wavers with God, your friendships start to waffle. And I think so many people, it's the picture of their faith. They don't understand the default settings that they are going to show up. They're going to come forth. You think you overcame them and all of a sudden they're there. And the devil says, oh, see, you really didn't get saved, did you? Really? Look, see, I told you. And they come out in unbelievable ways. But I want you to look at Luke 9. Look what it says. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus speaking here, you must give up your own way. You got to sell the boat too. You got to know those defaults and you've got to get rid of them. Take up your cross. The cross is not one of those pleasure cruises. The word itself extracts what? All kinds of pain and difficulty. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, look what it says, your comforts, your conveniences, your commitments, you will lose. You will lose. Let, let me give you a revelation that happened that day when I crossed the finish line at Disney. They hung a medal around my neck. Don't miss this. When they hung it around my neck, it all of a sudden hit me. I didn't earn this because I crossed the finish line. I earned this every day I got up early and trained. When I put his disciplines before my defaults. See, if you want to break out of the destructive patterns in your life, you need to know your defaults and surrender them daily. I'm going to tell you how this happens, but I want you to catch this. I will cross a finish line in this marathon called the Christian life. That day will happen and Jesus will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. 
that crown won't be given to me because I am in heaven now. It'll be given to me and awarded to me because I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. I put the discipline before the default. But you're not going to be able to understand this until you get to step number two. Discover your why for living. Discover your why. I say it all the time. The two most important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Nobody in this room is an accident. I don't care if you don't know your daddy. I don't care if you don't know your mommy. I don't care if you found out that you were adopted. I don't care if they got pregnant out of wedlock. I'm here to tell you, God doesn't make a mistake. Every child born was purposed by God himself. And regardless of where you've been, he takes all things and makes it good. And maybe someday you don't really need to know who your mom and dad is when you get that dad. And now he can take that painful past and turn it an unbelievable promise. Because this is in heaven. Your life matters to him. You're not forgotten. I can tell you over, I'm sorry about your past, but only for a moment, because I want to tell you about your future when you get Christ. It's glorious. It's beautiful. You matter to God. You're no accident. There is a why. But here's what I think happened with Peter and happens so often to so many of us. Peter was more excited, I believe, about what he would get with Jesus than he was about what he could give for Jesus. But giving happens when you get your why. And there's always more joy in giving than what you get. Giving for Jesus is so much greater than getting Jesus. It's becoming and giving your life away. There's no more greater joy than that. See, let, let me give you a little secret. When you really understand your why, that God has a purpose for my life, you ready for this? Your defaults will start to automatically just go away. Because you're consumed about what's before you than you are what's behind you. Look what Paul wrote, Philippians 3. Not that I've achieved it or that I'm perfect. Notice what he's saying. I got defaults. I'm not perfect. I don't always get it right, but look what he says. But I focus on this one thing, my why. Thus, I let go of the past. I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Jesus Christ is calling me. He's calling you. He's calling us. Amen? Did you, did you catch this? Paul said it's a heavenly prize. And maybe that's part of the struggle is some of you are chasing the temporal prizes. You're, you're wanting a relationship with God now rather than realizing what's still to come. And then you're disappointed because you're the measuring stick of God's now rather than realize I'm just going to focus on what's to come because it's going to be amazing. Paul knew that his life had meaning. He knew that his life was bigger than himself. That's why Paul could write in Romans, nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been left for dead. I've had all these things, but oh my goodness, do you know what's laying up in heaven for me? It's worth it. I will keep pressing on and focusing on that because that's worth doing. That's why I'm here. Let me help you with it another way. You and I don't pay a price for being healthy. Did you know that? We pay a price for not being healthy. We don't pay a price for a good marriage. We pay a price for a bad one. We don't pay a price for a healthy family. We pay a price for a dysfunctional one. Someone once said, marriage is grand. Divorce is four grand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, don't miss this. You don't fix anything by reading a how-to. You fix everything when you get your why-to. Isn't that crazy? So until it becomes personal and you get your why, you'll never live purposeful. I, I don't preach because this is my calling. My greatest why is that God said, I want you to tell people about me. I, I can't get enough of it. I might get it wrong, but I'm okay with that. I mean, really, God, you, I get to do this. I get to tell people about Jesus. My life has an eternal impact difference. And yours does too. And yours does too. That's why we want to be in the Word. That's why we're doing these classes. That's why I hope this fall, every one of you will start the, the, the Old Testament class that I'm teaching for eight weeks on a Tuesday night. Forget about time constraints. What greater use could you have of your time? And I promise you, in eight weeks, you will never look at the Old Testament. I can promise you that. You will never look at the Old Testament the same. You'll find so much joy in reading it. You'll finally get the big picture. It's so simple. The Old Testament is not as big as people think and as difficult as people make it. It's such a beautiful story, but people don't understand it. This is why we're sharing this with you. This is this fall. We're going to help you understand what your spiritual gift is. We're going to walk you through discovering your spiritual gift. These two things alone will dramatically change the way you think. And here's what I believe with all my heart. When you change that tape in your mind, you'll change the tapestry in your heart. Your life will never be the same. That's why I want everybody in this church to take these classes, because your life will be so different. The why of what God made you to be will just blow. It'll come off the pages like you can't believe. I'm going to invite the team out. Here's step three. Dedicate your life. Say it with me. Dedicate your life. If you were to point your car southwest of Cortez, Colorado, drive exactly 38 miles along Highway 160 and then hang a right on Four Corners Monument Road, in about a half a mile, you'd run into the only spot in America where you can be in four states at one time. Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. It's crazy. It's right in the middle of an empty desert surrounded by dust, rocks and boulders, and you can take a picture standing in all four states at one time. Anybody done it? Okay, a few of you done it. It's crazy. Thousands of people do it every day. But I wonder if that's a picture of so many of God's people. 
trying to be in four places at one time. Ever allowed yourself to do that, to be pulled in multiple directions? Little time to share dreams with those you love? Little sense of where you've been, where you're going, what life's really all about? Maybe that's that crutch, what you're hoarding. Always trying to be everything for everybody else rather than being the person that God made you. Two weeks ago, we celebrated this thing called the 4th of July. 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence. 56 signed and pledged their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor for something bigger than themselves called the United States of America. Did you know that five of the signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died? Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned to the ground. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary War. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships from that same war. But see, they all understood there's a cost in this marathon called life. But the costs were worth it or we wouldn't be sitting here in the freedom for me to be able to even talk about the name of Jesus right now. How much greater is the cause of Jesus? How much greater it is for your kids to be in heaven with you one day? Or your marriage? Or your coworkers? They won't know unless someone tells them, the Bible says. Unless someone shows them. That's why I've been saying, I think our greatest days are right now in this country because light shines best in the darkness. And I think people are looking for the light. The question is, do they see it in you? There'll be things that are gonna try to pull you back, people. I have them, you have them. These default settings. For a moment, they keep me in control because that fear of walking in faith and giving it up is just, and the enemy tries to pull, 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 pull. But time is your great friend as it was for Peter. He got called, but he couldn't sell the boat. In fact, it'd be quite some time before he'd fully sell that boat, but eventually he did. And the world's never been the same. And if he can do that with Peter, what could he do with you? You want to break those destructive patterns? Well, the closer you look at Jesus, the more he affects your life. The more Jesus affects your life, the less likely you will stray. The less likely you will stray, well, the less likely you will sin. And the less likely you sin, the less you'll ever repeat it again. Do you know your default settings? That thing that keeps pulling are you dying to it daily? Are you looking ahead at the why that God has for you? And have you really dedicated your life, pointing your feet in the direction that matters that knowing my life will follow? I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes if you would. And I'm gonna ask you if you just quietly pray these words in your heart, because I believe what I said earlier. I believe everybody here really wants their life to matter. Believe with all my heart. 
I don't believe there's anybody here playing a game with God. And so just pray quietly in your heart. Say, Father, I want that. That I'd be fully, truly, wholeheartedly, faithfully following you. So right now, I'm giving you my boat as well. I don't want to hold on to anything except just you in every way of my life. Thank you that you died for that. I want to die to me so I can fully live in you. God, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. As you had for Peter, you do for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone says. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.